Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Hey, VCDC. I'm Jay McKinley. I'm one of the youth pastors here at church, and I just want to say welcome. It's so great to have you here today. Um, but here we are once again online. Um, I know a lot of you are disappointed. Um, I must say I was really looking forward uh, to speaking and seeing you all today. But here we are with an empty gymnasium. But that's 2020 for you, so we just go with the flow. And I, I'm super happy to be here. Um, just a he quick heads up, um, we announced that we're going to be having communion this weekend, and we still plan on doing that. So if you want to hit pause and go grab your elements, your juice, your crackers, your bread, whatever you choose, and then we'll have communion at the end of the service today. But anyways, here we are in the season of Advent as we prepare our hearts and minds for the arrival of Christ our Savior. Um, if you've been attending VCDC for any amount of time, you probably quickly realize that we're not a super traditional church. This is the first time we've had I think Advent candles up on stage. Uh, but me personally, um, I grew up in a Roman Catholic family, so lots of tradition there. And as a kid growing up, we would have an Advent wreath on our kitchen table. And uh, every night that we'd eat dinner, we'd light the candle. And I, and I have to say, as a child, that did create a sense of expectation and excitement in me as a kid. Uh, but over the past couple of weeks, we've been in this Advent series called A Season of Light. And two weeks ago, Michael spoke on the first candle being a, a candle of hope, uh, which is also known as the prophecy candle, and, or a pro the prophet's candle. And, and prophecy is meant to, to bring us a sense of hope and, and, and uh just give us comfort, even when we're, and we're in trials and difficulties, knowing that, that God is still active, that God is still working in our midst. And last week, Andrew spoke on the second candle, which is the candle of faith, which is also known as the Bethlehem candle. And Andrew talked about how faith is birthed from hope, and how, and how hope we can have hope in something possible, but then we can take it a step further and have hope uh, and have faith in the one who can make it possible, and that's Jesus. And Andrew also talked about how, how faith is, is nurtured through worship and obedience, and we saw this in the lives of the, of the wise men as they went and visited Jesus and they worshiped him by bringing gifts and then they were obedient to God when God revealed to them in a dream to go a different route home and avoid Herod. And today I'm continuing our Advent series, focusing on the third rose-colored candle, symbolizing joy, sometimes called the shepherd's candle. And this refers to the great joy that the shepherds experienced when they heard of the announcement of the Messiah's arrival. And you may be asking, well, why pink? Why pink? Um, 
Okay. Um, all right, so today I'm continuing our Advent series, focusing on the third rose-colored candle, symbolizing joy. And this is sometimes called the shepherd's candle. It refers to the shepherd candle because of those, the, the shepherds received great joy when the angelic announcement of the arrival of the Messiah. In some traditions, the, the pink candle symbolizing joy because of the rejoicing of the, of the I'm sorry, I got thrown off there. All right. I'm going to start over there. <laughs> All right. Today I'm continuing our Advent series focusing on the third rose-colored candle, symbolizing joy, sometimes referred to the shepherd's candle. And this Candle refers to the great joy that the shepherds experienced when the angels announced Jesus' birth to them. In some faith traditions, the pink candle symbolizing joy and rejoicing, as the purple candle can sometimes represent uh, royalty and, rep and repentance and suffering. And so before I jump into today's lesson, let me pray, and then we'll get started. Say, so Father in heaven, we invite your presence here. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would go into every room. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill our minds and our hearts with your peace, with your presence. And I ask, Lord, that you would guide me as I speak today. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we find the, the story of the angelic announcement to the shepherds in Luke 2 verses 8 through 14. So I'll go ahead and read that. And it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So here in this passage, we find the angel announcing the arrival of the Savior to these common shepherds. The angel appears giving a message stating that this will be good news and create 
joy for all of the people. Now, the Israelites in Jesus' time would have been very familiar with the prophecies about the Savior who would one day come, who would overthrow their oppressors, who would establish a kingdom. And this message delivered to these unsuspecting shepherds would no doubt have have stirred up hope in them. The prophecies that they would have uh, heard as, as young boys, was this actually happening in their lifetime? And, and these angels are like, is, is this for real, right? And, and, and so this hope led to faith. And they went to see the baby Jesus. And after they experienced this, they couldn't help but share what had happened, what they had heard and what they had seen. And the people who heard this received it with great joy. Now reading this, After the fact, over 2,000 years later, we know that the announcement made to the shepherds is something that was much greater than they even thought or imagined. That when this Savior arrived, he didn't bring with him an earthly kingdom, but he brought with him a heavenly kingdom. And that through Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection, all of humanity can look to Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting with God in heaven and eternity. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, that the God of creation sees you, he knows you, he loves you, and he offers you forgiveness and a relationship And this brings great joy to all who receive it. But what is joy? What is the significance that joy should have in the life of the follower of Christ? Is joy just this emotion that we should possess? Does God just want happy little Christians with happy little smiles on our faces? Or is it something deeper? What role does joy have in the life of the follower of Christ? This is what we're going to look at today. So what is joy? If we look to the original Greek in verse 10 where it says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people, the Greek word used here is kara, which means joy or delight. Imagine that. But if you were to look up, do a quick search on on an English definition of joy, you would find something like a, a, a feeling of great pleasure or happiness. And we can describe uh, joy as a wonderful feeling that we experience. And we all f- have uh, experience of joy and happiness for various reasons. Uh, We experience joy, especially in this time right now, uh, with being able to be with family and friends. We experience joy on special occasions, like getting to witness a, a marriage, getting to witness the arrival of a child or a grandchild. I was wanting to say we would experience, we experienced great joy today with the Buckeyes defeating Michigan. However, we will have to wait to experience that next week. Go Bucks! But one thing that 
that brings me great joy for those of you who know me is, is I love to snowboard. And, and when winter, winter comes, I love getting out of Ohio and heading to the mountains and being able to experience fresh powder. That, that first run down the mountain where nobody's touched the snow. And another thing that is a wonderful th- uh, thing to hear is grown men going down a mountain, hooting and hollering, woohoo! Because as they hit that powder, just like they're little kids, and it just, it, it is a wonderful experience. But we all have relationships and activities and, and memories and occasions that bring us happiness and joy. And we often interchange these words, joy and happiness. But really, happiness is an emotional feeling or a sense of well-being, often as a result of a positive circumstance or situation. But if we want a biblical sense of the word joy, biblical joy goes much deeper than an emotional feeling. Theopedia.com describes joy as a state of mind and an orientation of the heart. It is a settled state of contentment, confidence, and hope. It is something or someone that provides a source of happiness. So biblical joy transcends our situations and circumstances. And I would describe biblical joy as a state of being living in a reality that is rooted in the person of Christ, what he accomplished on the cross, and our hope in an eternal future. I'll say that again. Biblical joy is a state of being living in a reality that is rooted in the person of Christ, what he accomplished on the cross, and our hope in an eternal future. By understanding no matter what we go through in this present age, it has no, co- no, no consequence in what Christ has already accomplished for us. And as followers of Christ, we are called to have joy in all circumstances. But how is this possible? How does a follower of Christ have joy, and how can we consistently be full of joy? And I'd like to try to answer that question by looking at two aspects of that today. So how can the follower of Christ have joy? I'd say the first thing is perspective. We have to have the right perspective. And what I mean by perspective is the way we view our life circumstances needs to be viewed through an eternal perspective or a heavenly perspective. Two weeks ago, Michael, he talked about the role of prophecy. That that prophecy is meant to encourage us. And, And we see how Jesus fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah who would come And Michael talked about that we live in between the two advents, that Jesus came, but we're waiting for his second coming, when Jesus will come again and that he will defeat Satan, that he will defeat death, that all things will be made new, 
that there will be no more division that we'll be able to see God face to face. When we have an eternal perspective, nothing should rival the gift of our salvation and our promise of eternity with God and his people. That when we're going through difficulty, when we're going through a period of of loneliness, of trials, of illness, that we can hold on the promises of God that one day God will wipe away every tear, that he will make all things new. Having a heavenly perspective is, is somewhat like the perspective that an adult has over a child or a teenager. When we're a child, we can make things that are small much bigger than what they really are. I I think back to to my son Carter, and I did get permission from him to to share this example. When he was in in first grade, we we gave him a haircut, and we, we did a pretty good job. I've been cutting hair since seventh grade. But we gave him a haircut, and he wanted a buzz cut, so we gave him a buzz cut. And he looked good with that buzz cut. And he went to school, and he came home from school, and he was upset because a fifth-grade girl on that bus called him Baldy. Baldy! And he was so upset and so distraught, and we said, it's okay, Carter, it's okay. He did not want to have a buzz cut, and that kid didn't have a buzz cut probably until he was in high school again. Right? He made this small little situation so much bigger than it is. And you think about you know, becoming a teenager and, and having the zits on your face. And oh my gosh, I can't be seen in public with this growth on my face. Right? And as adults, we know, we look back and we say, those things that you're experiencing right now, they are so small. It is not a big deal. The people that you see now, you won't see 98% of those people in the future. So we have a perspective that they don't. But you say, well, Jay, you say we're supposed to have an eternal perspective. Well, we haven't experienced eternity yet. But I say, but you have experienced eternity. If you have received Christ as your Savior, you have been born again. You are born of spirit. The kingdom has come into your life, and we experience the kingdom now. We, 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 get, we get handfuls of heaven now. We talk about the, the already and the not yet of the kingdom. And so many of you have, have experienced the already aspect of the kingdom of heaven where you've been freed of addictions, where, where, where relationships have been restored. We've seen healings that have taken place We've seen the kingdom of heaven in our lives. We've, some of you have experienced God's tangible physical presence. And, and I think about just my middle schoolers and how we go to camp every year. So many middle schoolers come away from camp having encountered, encountered the presence of God, and it changes them. And so many look back when they're in high school that, at that moment at camp when God drew near and I experienced his love and his presence. When we experience the, the power of the gospel in our life and in the lives of other believers, this gives us a taste of heaven. 
This gives us a, a taste of the kingdom and this allows us to live with a heavenly perspective and, and see past our current situation and, and, and live and live in that final outcome. We're able to, to have joy and rejoice in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of difficulty and hardship, rejoicing in the midst of the unknown. It's living with this, with this eternal perspective and living in and through this reality that allows us to have joy no matter what the circumstance. But, but putting in this, this into practice is, is easier, easier said than done. Having an eternal perspective and living it out can be extremely difficult. Wouldn't you agree? So do we just grin and bear it? Do we just think positively? Or do we just close our eyes and cover our ears and just hunker down? How do we actually obtain this biblical joy? Now, we're talking about perspective, but I think perspective is, is just a small part of it. So how do we get this joy? The second thing, I believe, is we get joy by getting it from the giver. We get it from the giver. We read in, in Galatians 5 that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. We're able to have joy because of the Holy Spirit's activity in our life. We read in Galatians 5, through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. By the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, God will produce fruit in us. And one of these fruits is joy. We're able to live and experience the joy of the Lord if we allow the Holy Spirit to produce this. So how does the Holy Spirit produce it? Like, do we just have any responsibility at all? Does the Holy Spirit sp sprinkle some fruit dust on us and it just starts growing? I would say we do have a responsibility we do have a responsibility, and that responsibility is to stay connected. We must stay connected. And we read in John 15, 5 through 17, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 
My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Now, we don't have time to to completely unpack these verses. We could probably spend a couple weeks doing this. But we see Jesus spoke these things to the disciples, and he speaks them to us today, saying that only if we remain in him, only if we abide in him, only if we stay connected to him like a branch to the vine, will we be able to produce fruit. We can't produce it by an act of our will, by thinking positively, by working harder. We produce fruit by connection with Jesus, by being in a relationship with him. This connection is not a Sunday-only connection, a Sunday-Wednesday connection, but we invite Jesus into every aspect of our life, granting him access to our heart and mind and life. We stay connected to him through worship, through fellowship, by studying the word, through prayer. Every aspect of our life is open to Jesus. Every relationship, our relationship with our boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse, not off limits to the Lord. What we do with our money, what we watch, what we listen to, open to the Lord. We see in verse 11, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus says that if we live in his love, if we stay connected to him, he will produce this fruit in our lives. And he specifically spoke these words so that we'd receive his joy and that we would be full of his joy. I don't know about you, but when I reflect, when, when I think about things, I'm not always full of the joy of the Lord. I would love to always be full of the, the joy of the Lord, but I can't say that I am. And, and there's times where I have an earthly perspective and where my, my joy is it's half full or half empty, depending on your perspective. Or there's been times in my life where, man, I was, it was like I was running on fumes. And I believe that I am not alone in this. I think I have good company because we all experience things in our life, hardships in our life, where our relationship and connection to Jesus is lacking, sometimes even non-existent. And sometimes this can be attributed to to trying to find joy from from earthly things 
or we can allow our situations and circumstances to, to overwhelm us, and we, we find that we are just uh, full of fear or anger or anxiety or hopelessness or a whole host of other emotions that we might have. And sometimes when we're empty, we can try to, to manufacture joy with, with, with doing things that we think are going to make us happy. And very often this pursuit of, of, of happiness is so, so self-focused, so egocentric. We, and we try to, to satisfy our needs. This, this can result in selfishness. This can result in us inadvertently just sucking life out of other people. And sometime in our, in our pursuit of, of happiness, we, 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 we're happy by how others perceive us. And we can become people pleasers. And, and this can result in us doing things that might compromise our faith or integrity. Right. In a consumer-driven society and a media gratification society, there are so many things that we can, can turn to, to in an attempt to make us happy. Right? We can turn to shopping. We can turn to social media. We can drown ourselves in, in Netflix and, and the endless sports channels that are available to us. We can turn to abusing alcohol or drugs or turn to food. There's so many things that we can turn to in attempt to make us happy. But often the pursuit of happiness is just an empty well because nothing can truly bring us joy but the Lord. So I have a question for you. What have you been connected to in this past season, this past year? Are you connected to the vine? Are you connected to Christ? What perspective have you been living from? An earthly perspective or an eternal perspective? 2020 is like no other year I have ever experienced, and I imagine it's the same for you. We've all have our lives disrupted by COVID. Many of us have experienced uncertainty and anger or frustration, fear, loneliness. Add to COVID just the, the racial issues that our society has faced, the, the election, and then add on to that whatever you're facing personally. We all have good reasons to have a whole host of different emotions that we've felt through this past year. Some of these emotions have been the right emotion to experience due to the circumstance. Or perhaps some of these emotions have really taken, taken hold of you. Or perhaps some of them are, are misplaced. And rather than, than feeling an emotion and, and processing through it, you've been living in and through these emotions. It, or it's just been this underlying state, just right under the surface, or for some of you, it's, it's at the forefront. It, it is just there. You're constantly living in it. And, and here we are, 
online again. I know for, for the youth, this is so disappointing, right? We've been, we are back together and now we're apart again. There are so many things in this world that can rob us of our joy. So many things that can distract us and give us an earthly perspective rather than an eternal one. But we read in Colossians 3, 2, it says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So we're, when we're in this season of Advent, this is a wonderful time to reflect, to meditate, to evaluate, and ask, Am I full of the joy of the Lord? Am I living with an eternal perspective? Are there things in my life that I'm trying to fill myself with that only the Lord can satisfy? And as we reflect on these things, Jesus doesn't want to bring guilt and shame, but Jesus wants to come alongside of you. He wants to come alongside of you in this season. He wants to be your source of joy. And going back to the story of the shepherds encountering the baby Jesus, what was their response? We read in verse 17, it says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And then in verse 20, it says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This encounter that the shepherds had with God, no doubt stirred up hope, faith, and joy. And this led to the proclamation and sharing what they had experienced. The shepherds couldn't contain themselves. They were compelled to share what the Lord had shown them. And this is what the Lord desires for our lives that our encounters with God, as we stay connected with him, as we live with an eternal perspective, that we can't help ourselves but share the good news of Christ, that we'd share it with our words, that we'd share it with our actions. And this is what the Lord is inviting us into this Advent season. So won't you join me by asking the Lord to help us have an eternal perspective and renew the joy of our salvation as we celebrate this Advent season. Amen? Amen. And another way to, to reorient our perspective as we worship the, together, whether we're in person or whether we're online, is to remember the Lord and his sacrifice for us as we take communion together. So why don't you grab your elements? And Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that, that it is you who sustains us, that it is you who strengthens us, we invite you to be with us as we take communion.
While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Let's take the bread. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's take the juice. And now we will light the candles, relighting the candle of hope, the candle of faith, and the candle of joy. Before we close in prayer, I just wanted to share um, just two images that I had during the week um, that I, I think um, were significant. Um, but one was just something that I saw. I was just, as I was preparing, I was in, in my bedroom looking out the window and, you know, looking through the screen. And, you know, we've got this nappy screen that's got holes in it that needs to be replaced. But, but so often when we look outside, we're, we're not looking at the screen. We're, we're looking outside to see the trees and the birds and the sky or whatever's going on outside. But that screen, you know, is just... It's there, and we, we, we can see past that screen, but for so many of us, it's like the, the screen of our life, our circumstances, is right before our face, and we can't see past it. But there's so much more past that screen, right? The, the screen of our life, there's so much more in eternity and the goodness that the Lord has for us. And, and I think some of you may be stuck where you're just looking at that screen. The Lord wants you to see past that. He wants to give you that heavenly perspective. And another thing, um, an image that I saw during the week was just a comb and this, this matted mess of hair, right, that, that was full of tangles and it was all matted. And, and I believe that the Lord is just saying, I, I want to come and I want to groom my bride. I want to, to, to get those tangles out. Because there's so many of us, we've just got a, a mess of, of our thoughts. And, 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 and uh, the Lord just wants to bring freedom to many of you. He wants to bring freedom to us. And so if, if any of, the, of my message or the, these, these words are relevant, I would really encourage you to, to ask a family member or friend to, to pray with you. If you don't have anyone to pray with you, I would encourage you. Uh, the office is open during the week uh, for phone calls, not, not the office. You can't come in, but you can call, and someone will answer the phone. We would be happy to pray for you. But I just going to invite you to, to open up your hands, and, I, and I'll pray us out. So, Father in heaven, we thank you for meeting us. We thank you, Lord, that you are the source of our joy. We ask, Lord, that you would help us have an eternal perspective 
You'd help us recognize the things that, that we try to cling to, the things that we try to fill our lives that take place of you. And we pray, Father, you bring freedom. Bring freedom to us, Lord, that we can enjoy you, that we can enjoy our relationship with you and see past our circumstances and look Look to our hope and our future with you. We just thank you and we praise you. We pray for your protection and health. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you guys. I can't wait to see you in person again. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.